0: Grace and peace and welcome to another episode of Your Week with St. Luke's. I'm Jad Denmark, one of the pastors at St. Luke's, and we are uh, so glad that you're with us for our weekly podcast that that sets up and starts the rhythm of learn, live, love, and lead. That rhythm of each and every week we want to encourage and support every St. Luker to be a part of. Here in our podcast, we're going to learn something, uh, learn something about scripture uh, and scriptural study, and then that will lead to how we apply these scriptures to our lives, how we live our lives and how we lead our lives, which then draws us back to worship on Sunday as we gather together uh, to love God, uh, love each other, love our neighbor and love our enemies. And so this week we have two texts, uh, and they are quite intriguing as we are in our 23and We series uh, that is leading us through our visioning for the next season at St. Luke's. So, all this week, uh, along with these two texts, these two scriptures, we're thinking about that next season, dreaming of a future as we seek to write. A kingdom future together. So, uh, first uh, we will look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, and then later on we will look at, uh, take some time and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. But before we get to 1 Corinthians, we need to deal with Habakkuk. And some of you may be saying, all right, Pastor Jad, uh, that is not a real book of the Bible. You just made that up. You're having fun with us. But I assure you that, that it is a book of the Bible. Habakkuk is a very much overlooked book of the Bible. It's a very small, small book. But Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, as some Christians categorize the Hebrew Bible. Uh, Our our Hebrew friends, though, refer to Habakkuk as one of the books of the Book of the Twelve. Uh, That's how they're organized in the Hebrew Bible. So in in your Christian Bible, uh, you can find Habakkuk uh, right after Nahum which again, if you don't know, that is also a book in the Bible, and right before uh, Zephaniah. and those are other minor prophets. That might be helpful. It might not. If you're reading your Bible uh, through your app, you just, you know, click find Habakkuk and click, and there you are. You've got it. Um, but if you need a few moments to, to flip through and find it in your book Bible, um, that's that's kind of where, where you will find, find it. And so, As we think about Habakkuk, and some of you are being introduced to it tonight, or today, um, we have very little direct information about the prophet Habakkuk. However, um, late Jewish tradition identifies the prophet as a Levite, which can help us a little bit in situating uh, who this prophet is. The text we have here, uh, Habakkuk, is, is dated sometime in the late 7th and early 6th century BCE, when the Judean king uh, Jehoiakim uh, reigned. So a couple of the things about Habakkuk before we get into the text is in the apocryphal, which is, is a group of books uh, that aren't really in the Protestant Bible, but the Catholics have them. And, and a good study Bible will always have the, uh, the apocryphal. are literature placed in between, they're called the intertestimonial time. And they are literally p- placed in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, there in the Apocryphal, there's, there's an addition to Daniel, and it's called Bell and the Dragon. Again, I'm not kidding you. It is a book called Bell and the Dragon. And in Bell and the Dragon, there is a reference to the prophet Habakkuk. So we have a, an, another text referring to this prophet that can help us kind of situate um, this, this prophet in this wonderful, wonderful little book. And also what's interesting is there is strong evidence that the Apostle Paul from the New Testament developed his understanding, his notion of justification by faith that you can find in uh, Romans 1 verse 17 and even in Galatians 3 verse 11. It seems to be there's strong evidence that Paul's notion of justification by faith is coming from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. So there's some interesting thing happening there that the Habakkuk seems to be a powerful influence on Paul as he's developing a a theology and starting churches in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, Habakkuk tells the story of a prophet's disagreement with God, two in particular, uh, and there's dialogue between Habakkuk the prophet and God, Yahweh, uh, Hashem, the name, and this dialogue uh, occurs mostly between chapters 1, verse 2, and chapters 2, verse 5, which is really actually where we find our text for this week. So, Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. I will take my post. I will position myself on the fortress. I will keep watch to see what the Lord says to me and how he will respond to my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write a vision and make it plain upon a tablet so that a runner can read it. There is still a vision for the appointed time. It testifies to the end. It does not deceive. If it delays, wait for it. For it is surely coming. It will not be late. It's good stuff, right? So Habakkuk in, in, in verse 1 now waits on God for the answer to his perplexity, his, his, his question, his complaint. There is no wisdom in the world that can find out the ways of the Lord. He simply waits on the Lord to bring that wisdom. We are a vision-driven church at St. Luke's. We are in a visioning season where we are asking questions of each other, of ourselves, discerning the movement of the Holy Spirit of God in our individual lives and us as a community. And Habakkuk here is also waiting on a vision, knowing that it cannot come from any other place than from God. I wonder what that means for, for you and I as St. Lukers in this exciting time of visioning, of discerning God's vision for us. So a couple of things. There's lots of imagery here. Uh, the The prophets post uh, some of your translations may say rampart. Uh, that's a literal translation of the, of the Hebrew word there. Uh, some of y'all might say watchtower. All of this seems to convey a place uh, in the city in, in, or on the city wall or, or a place maybe even in a temple, in the temple where religious leaders might go to receive visions from God maybe a a place a, a fortress or a temple that habakkuk waits to see how the lord will answer his complaint however some scholars believe that this watchtower here is purely uh, symbolic a symbolic figure uh, taken from uh, uh, the custom of uh, ascending to a high place to look into the distance to what is ahead into the future Again, that's, that's a lot of what we're doing at St. Luke's. Um, we're not necessarily climbing up to a high place, but we're prayerfully and worshipfully uh, placing ourselves, hopefully in a stature, <clears throat> in, a, in, a, in a place in a, that we might have more perspective <clears> that of what God is showing us, looking in what's ahead, looking into the future. <clears throat> this seems to indicate... Um, the concentrated openness, the unwary waiting of the prophet for the divine word. Again, what we at St. Luke's are attempting to do, uh, waiting, situating ourselves that we might see, we might hear, we might know and discern God's vision for us. Well, then, here in verse 2 and 3, we have the Lord's response. Again, this is the second complaint, so this is the second response to Habakkuk. Instructions to write down, it would be a chiseling, most likely, right? Because it says on a tablet, uh, write down a vision from the Lord. And this vision, what we learn, is to be plain, not complicated, yet distinct. Because the Hebrew word there calls for, for plainness and also distinction, and so I think we can hold both definitions there together, that it should be plain and yet distinct. It needs to be plain and, and, and simple that, that you can give it to a runner and that they would be able to read it and carry it with them to run out in front and, and travel and read this vision aloud to all of the people. Uh, that's a lot of our visioning process as well. Uh, Each week as we discern a response to our questions, the the following week we shared, you know, what the congregation, what God is saying to us, and the top things are bubbling to the the top, the most frequent things that God is stirring and moving in our lives seems to be a a vision that is plain, not complicated, but yet distinct, distinct to who, who we are in this community around Southwest Orlando. And how we can make it simple, easy to, to attain and hold on to and read and understand and, and share with other people. My, It's important for us to, to understand that God's vision for us should be clear and, and easy to, to share with other people. A, a vision like we have currently that, that God's, God's love is for everyone and that, that love always wins. So this this vision here in Habakkuk is to be, God says it is going to be practical, easy to spread, easy to share to others. This was a discerning, a new vision from God for us at St. Luke's. I wonder if this word of God to the prophet Habakkuk can help shape our discerning, can help sharpen our listening, can help amplify our awareness of the movements of God's Spirit among us. There is, lastly, in my last observation of this text, um, a great word of patience for us. If it delays, wait for it, for it is surely coming, and it will not be late. Have patience. The wisdom of from God, will come when it is needed. It will not be late. It's a word of encouragement as we're in this visioning process to continue to listen, to continue to discern, to continue to to wait. If it delays, wait for it, for it's coming, and it will not be late. Well, our second text is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 9, and talk about it for a minute and let you find it in your Bible. It's believed that sometime around 51 CE, uh, Paul arrived in the city of Corinth. Now, uh, Corinth is in what was understood as Macedonia, now today it's it's Greece, Um, and Corinth uh, was a major city uh, that was the hub of commercial activity for, for that region. It, 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 Corinth sits uh, on a peninsula, but at the narrow neck of, of land in between the Greek mainland uh, and, and the rest of that peninsula. And so it was easier for boats to come to Corinth, transfer their um, whatever they have, they're transporting their, their, their goods, uh, and be walked across that space, and onto another ship to get uh, over to other places for a trade route. And so because of this, this major space, this is it became a major port city. Acts 18, uh, in Acts 18, we learn that Paul spent around 18 months in Corinth there, establishing a Christian community, proclaiming the grace and love of Jesus Christ, and, and gathering the believers into a community. 1 Corinthians uh, is one of many believed correspondence written by Paul to that Christian community in Corinth. 1 uh, Corinthians may not be the first one, uh, but it's definitely the first one we have. We know that 2 Corinthians, uh, we give it a later date because of what's being said in that text. And in these correspondence, Paul is dealing with a number of, of issues now most of which we have to we have to extrapolate from his responses and what is obvious here early on in first corinthians is that there are divisions in first church of corinth so hear these words first uh, corinthians chapter 3 verse 1 through 9 brothers and sisters i couldn't talk to you like spiritual people but like unspiritual people like babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now, you are still not up to it because you are still unspiritual. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul... And someone else says, I belong to Apollos. Aren't you acting like people without the spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe. Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Because of this, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But the only one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together. Each one will receive their own reward for their own labor. We are God's co-workers and you are God's field, God's building. So, pretty interesting and some might read it as harsh. Up until now in First Corinthians, Paul's argument has been somewhat ironic and convoluted. But here, it's not convoluted. Here, Paul is very direct. Paul is very clear. It seems that uh, the Corinthians, in another correspondence, they seem to have admonished Paul. They've aired their grievances. They feel that Paul has failed to provide sufficient and advanced instruction. Paul has failed to provide them with wisdom. And he, he is to blame for their struggles. So Paul explains why he was unable to give the community in Corinth more advanced teaching. Blaming the problem on their own spiritual immaturity, Paul flips the narrative. And Paul uses this this imagery of drinking milk, like a, a nursing mother who decides when her child, her infant, is ready to start taking solid food. These metaphors he's using here, adults versus infants, solid food versus milk, they're common language in philosophical and religious instruction throughout the ancient Near East. We can find it in, in other, uh, other writings and other places of philosophy and religion, especially when it comes to instruction. So this is not something new that Paul is creating The assumption is that spiritual progress can be graded and that a different sort of curriculum or program uh, is appropriate for each level of maturity. Paul is turning the tables on the spiritual enthusiasts, these, these zealous spiritual people that are popping up in the community there in Corinth. He's turning the tables. He's placing them at the bottom of their own scale of religious achievement rather than the top where they believe they are to be. See, Paul here is serving up a big slice of humble pie. While he was with them, they remained in childish spiritual state. It appears they consider themselves as mature And spiritual people. But Paul replies with what seems to be kind of a put down. Sorry, you remain immature and fleshy. His answer demonstrates how dramatically he wants to redefine their understanding of of spirituality. Verse 3 is great for that. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving or walking according to human inclinations. It's interesting to note that jealousy here uh, is the, the Greek word uh, zelos. Z-E-L-O-S, basically, uh, how we would write it phonetically in English, which also means zeal and referring to a religious zeal of religious sorts the people in the community have found division among themselves and has to do with their zealousness we don't have that problem in the christian church nowadays do we we don't have some people thinking that they're more spiritually mature uh, than others people who uh, their spiritual gifts are greater uh, than other people's spirits we don't have that right no we do we still struggle with the same problems that the people at, in the Church of Corinth, this, this jockeying of, of position, this having to put others down so that we might feel lifted up. Paul's right. It's a great place of insecurity, this zealousness and this fervor of saying who is better than the other. Also, I think it's important to point out that being of the flesh does not mean lacking refined spiritual knowledge and experience. And it does not mean living in lust and sexual sin as oftentimes is interpreted. It's quite obvious for Paul, being of the flesh means living in rivalry, living into disunity and division within the church. This shatters and reshapes the whole scale of values that the Corinthians are asked to measure themselves up. He's saying this scale is hogwash, pointless. It doesn't fit. So if the community of Corinth accept this new measurement, this new scale that, that Paul has proposed, they cannot deny that they fall, that they fail, at an immature end, or they fall at an immature end. They lack humility. They lack confession. They lack self-examination. For they have indeed aligned themselves with these, these slogans, which is so fascinating that he quotes, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. We still do that too, don't we? We oftentimes are overly arrogant and puff ourselves up Our assuredness is in how strong and good our theology or our doctrine is Or how well we can define God or salvation Why? I follow Bart, I follow Tillich I follow the Lutheran Church I follow the Methodist Church I follow the Baptist Church The Corinthians are are judging and acting in the ways and standards of this age, not that of Christ Jesus. As we're discerning a vision, as we're waiting with Habakkuk for a vision from God, may we not act and judge in this standard of this age. It's not a competition. There's no jockeying for positions in Christ. Wisdom, the spirit, is not a zero-sum game. We need to remember that God is the source. God is the teacher of all wisdom. God is what makes the plant grow, as Paul said. God is the source of vision. There is not one of us better than any other, more spiritual than another. We are all uniquely created and called. We are all diversely gifted and equipped. We are all part of the vision God is calling us towards. We are all God's co-workers, as my translation said. We are God's field. We are God's building. Awaiting this great vision from God. Well, I hope and pray uh, that you'll continue to wrestle with these scriptures. Hope you won't have a hard time finding Habakkuk, and uh, but that in your Life Together groups, you'll have an enriching time talking about these texts, uh, allowing your spirit and soul to be stirred and enriched as we dream about a future, as we, like Habakkuk, are, are waiting for this vision, looking out uh, on top of the watchtower ahead of us, what vision God has and as we do so, remember, this is not a competition. Each and every beloved sister and brother has a, has a portion of this vision, and we share it and grow in it together. We are all the better, because God is going to make things grow. Grace and peace.